0: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Garrett Wilson, wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return, near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30, hits the Jets, and he's gonna go! Jets win it! Touchdown,
1: rookie Xavier Gibson, game over. Allen has time, intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, Allen. Tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Queen Williams. What a beast. Number
0: 95 for the Jets.
1: Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are doing our 2024 off-season roundtables. Next up, somebody who I like a lot Does great Jets content over on YouTube For Jets 24-7 That's the name of his YouTube channel Ryan Delaney Ryan, first time on the show I was on your show before I think your audience was very upset with me Because I said that the Jets gave up more than they needed to For Aaron Rodgers But I stick to that I was glad the Jets got Aaron Rodgers But I still think that they could have played more hardball and given up less considering the situation and the fact that nobody wanted Rodgers and he had to be traded by Green Bay or they were going to have to pay him $60 million, which is never going to happen. But nonetheless... My audience is a little more forgiving of that opinion than yours was. (laughs) I get it, though. People didn't want to hear that at the time. They just wanted to celebrate getting Aaron Rodgers. And now we'll get to see, hopefully, in 2024 what Aaron Rodgers does, even if we didn't get to see him in 2023. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hopefully the first of several appearances.
0: Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chopping it up. And I'll be honest, I'm right there with you. I do think the Jets actually overpaid for Rodgers. There was press conferences of Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Cool as cucumbers down at the the spring meetings. Like, oh, we can wait until training camp if the right quarterback knows the system. And then all of a sudden, they make this knee-jerk trade right before the draft. And I was like, ah, that
1: doesn't smell right. That doesn't smell like a Joe Douglas decision. But I don't know. We made the decision, and now we're here. Yeah, man, buy the ticket, take the ride, as the late Hunter S. Thompson said, and that ride is going to be captained by Robert Sala, who remains as the head coach. What'd you think of the decision to stick with Sala, and what are your thoughts on him through three years on the job as Jets head coach?
0: So, uh, there's a few things I like about Sala. Like obviously his defense. When the first year he was here, I think we were dead last or close to it, and then you know year two, year three, we're top five unit. So there's there's something to be said for that. I love that players do want to play for him. I think that's something we didn't have in the Adam Gase era and we didn't really have in the Bowls era. So having that type of recruiting power, like a guy like DJ Reed, we probably do not get DJ Reed without Salah here. You know, I think the Tomlinson signing was a good swing. He was a Pro Bowl, you know, guard for the system that we were running. And then he just turned into a pumpkin. But uh yeah, that sort of stuff, the recruiting side of things, great. I don't love the rah-rah uh, or like, you know, maybe some of the catchphrases that he comes up with. And and maybe there's a little more to be desired from like the on field uh, calls. Like sometimes there's a timeout or, you know, a judgment that I don't particularly like. And I question how much control he has in the locker room. Cause I feel like everyone has the ability to say like anything they want. I don't know if I necessarily want to see that like all the time. I was on board with bringing Salah back with Rodgers, like as soon as he got hurt. And then I would say after the Texans game, yeah, where Zach went off and then we come out the next week, a game we needed against Miami and we just got our doors kicked in. We did not show up at all. That's when I started to sour a little bit. And then I've kind of been on this roller coaster, and I've just accepted the fact that he's going to be here for next year. And just, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping a good quarterback kind of turns this around.
1: What about the rest of the coaching staff?
0: I mean, it sucks because I would definitely get rid of Hackett. And that's someone that I, not that I was necessarily excited for, but it seems like a pretty decent dude. I just don't love his, you know, the play calls that he comes up with, or at least the, the quarterbacks executing the play calls don't seem like they uh, know what they're doing. And not to mention the players are all sort of saying like, you know, it makes offense looks hard for us. Every we're watching other teams, Garrett Wilson said, I'm watching other teams. It doesn't seem like it's that hard for them to play offense. So it feels like the, the players might feel like we have more talent here than we're getting out of our coaching staff. From An offensive line perspective, I have no idea why Keith Carter is still here. There's nothing that I saw from this offensive line that makes me feel warm and fuzzy, let alone the comments that are coming out from Taylor Lawan and Makai Beckton and Reese Hall, where they're kind of like ragging on, on Carter. And we're going into an offseason where we need offensive linemen and we got to use free agency in some capacity to help achieve that goal of a good offensive line in 2024. And I don't know how many key free agents on the offensive line we're going to attract with a guy that no offensive lineman wants to play for
1: play like a jet play like a jet what about joe douglas because it's funny it seems like you can't have a nuanced opinion on him he's either the greatest gm who's ever lived or the worst gm in the history of the nfl what's your take on it where do you stand
0: so prior to this year, I was super high on Joe Douglas, like best GM I I've, I've ever seen as a jet fan. And I, like my fandom goes back to like 95, 96. So there's not a huge sample size there, but, uh, I really liked how Joe Douglas was making his selections. I thought there was at least a, a, uh, concrete process that he went through. Like I wanted worse. He took Becton, but I understood the left tackle, you know, go for Becton. he looked good his rookie year and coming into this season. It's like, man, you know, it just sucks. Like, I think the evaluation was right on Becton, but he didn't you know, he hasn't been healthy. Now he's healthy the entire season. He has the most sacks given up in the NFL. I think the most penalties in the NFL. And I'm like, man, I'm really penciling in Joe Douglas to be like this guru offensive line scout to fix the whole offensive line. And his first offensive lineman that he drafts is a bust. And then I'm going back and I'm like, well, what other offensive linemen are not necessarily doing great this year? Friggin' uh, the, the kid from uh, Andre Dillard, that he was VP of player personnel with the Eagles. He's like number two in sacks and number two in penalties. I was like, so the guy that Douglas is trying to to, to build this offensive line around, it's everything's falling to pieces. Tipman looks good at least. AVT when he's on the field looks good. I, I don't know if Douglas is necessarily the problem. Like if I take our roster now, and I look at it pre-Douglas and now, I'm definitely taking the roster now. It just sucks because we don't have the proof of the win-loss record. And that's what everyone gauges everything by. And I don't know, I don't know how much I fault Douglas for certain picks. Like, I would say my least favorite pick that he made was the Will McDonald pick this past year. It, like, before the draft, I'm saying the only position that I would be upset with us taking would be edge rusher. We're so rich <laughs> in edge rusher. I would just be, you know, bummed if we went that route. I was like, go receiver, go, uh, you know, anything else, basically. And... Linebacker comes up on the screen. I didn't, I didn't know they had him classified as a linebacker. I like, what are we doing? And then I see edge rusher, situational pass rusher. With the 15 overall pick, we got Aaron Rodgers. We're trying to win right now, and this is a pick for the future. You're taking this guy to replace Bryce Huff, and then lo and behold, Bryce Huff has an amazing season. So I would say from the in the last like six months to a year, I have soured more on Joe Douglas than I was heading into uh, the draft last
1: year. What are your thoughts on Woody Johnson? Do you think that he bears all the responsibility for the failures here? There are people that love to point every single finger at Woody. Do you think he gets too much blame, not enough blame somewhere in the middle?
0: I would say somewhere in the middle. I mean, some of the hate I think stems from, you know, not getting the the stadium built and it's okay. We got MetLife. We're sharing the stadium with the Giants. It's the ugliest stadium in the NFL. Players don't want to play here and there's all that. And then there's always the, the meddling that everyone says is going on what do you wanted Favre, what do you wanted tebow just for the you know the the headlines and everything and to some degree i do agree with that like i think we did trade for Rodgers early because the schedule release comes out middle of may and you and i both thought that the jets should have waited until training camp to go after rogers because we think we would have been able to use all our picks last year to go get them and just before the draft we decide to make a like a the move to move back two picks we lose the tackle and all this other stuff so i think i think johnson either woody johnson or the nfl pressured the jets and packers to get this trade done so that way they could get the six primetime games they can have all the marketability they could have hard knocks being advertised and like all the money that comes with all that at the same time woody hasn't really been shy about going out and paying a lot of money to try and get talent so You know, for people that get upset with him to some degree, I say, well, he's not cheap as far as like free agent contracts goes. If we drafted the right players, then maybe we'd be paying some of our own. Like, that's one thing that bugged me all the time was, you know, we're going out, we're paying Tremaine Johnson, we're paying a Le'Veon Bell. We're not, you know, retaining our own guys. That's why losing Bryce Huff, like I think is going to happen. There's uh, it's bittersweet because we grew him from an undrafted free agent. I would love to be able to keep him here. And we forced him out by drafting Will McDonald.
1: Let's talk a little bit about 2023. What are your thoughts on the season as a whole? A roller coaster, to be sure, and certainly a disappointment, but there were some ups and downs. What were some of your favorite and least favorite moments of the season? I'm assuming the Aaron Rodgers injury is going to rank fairly high in the least favorite category.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was at week one. It was such a roller coaster of emotions. I've never heard the stadium as loud as it was before kickoff of that game like the the only thing I can really uh compare it to did were you at the game when the Jets snuck into the playoffs because the Patriots beat the Dolphins in overtime and the Jets had to play the Packers I think it was 2002 Mm -hmm. is when that went down the stadium when we found out that the Patriots had won in overtime and the Jets had a shot to get in we kicked the doors down on the Packers that was a lot of fun that was the only thing I can kind of compare it to and the, the roar of the crowd, just incredible. The lights going. they have the bracelets, you know, blinking green. The, there was just so much hype and energy coming into the season. And then to watch Rogers go down, it was everything that we saw with Vinnie Testaverdi and all the panic that, that that brought. So as far as like low light, it's definitely Rogers getting hurt. Cause it's, it's, you know, it, it feels like we had our season stolen from us before we even had a shot. And as far as like good stuff. I loved Jermaine Johnson coming out of FSU, and I was like, you know what? I want Jermaine Johnson at 10, and if Sauce isn't there at 4, I want Jermaine Johnson at 4, and I was like pounding the table for it, and I was like, you know what? We missed it, you know, whatever. I I like Sauce, I like Garrett, and then they trade up for Jermaine Johnson. He kind of had like this so-so year last year to see him really develop this year too and, and come out the way he did. I thought that was a lot of fun to see. Some of the young players too, like Garrett's st- like phenomenal, Breeze coming back off the ACL, fifteen hundred yards, nine touchdowns. This guy's elite. I can't believe he's not going to win Comeback Player of the Year because of like you know either Flacco or Hamlin's going to end up getting.
1: Ryan, you asked about that game in two thousand two. Quick story. So I was on the way to the stadium as everything was unfolding with the one o'clock games. We were stuck in traffic waiting to park. And it seemed like there were about five different scenarios that needed to happen that weren't going to happen that day. One by one, they were evaporating. And if you'll recall, the Dolphins were beating the Patriots by like 10 points with about 10 minutes to go in the game. And Dave that foolishly decided to keep throwing the ball and the clock would stop. And it gave the Patriots opportunities and the Patriots were able to tie it at the very end. And I remember going into the parking lot and this was before we had all the fancy contraptions we do now where you could stream stuff mm-hmm. on your phone and all of that. Somebody in the parking lot had one of those portable televisions. And we were all gathered around watching the overtime. And when the Patriots drove down the field and Vinatieri lined up for the field goal, we were all gathered around like it was the Super Bowl for the Jets. And he put the field goal through. Everybody went nuts. One guy said he was going to drive to New England and give Adam Vinatieri a personal thank you. He actually said it in a lot more colorful terms, but I'm not going to say exactly what he said here on the podcast because there are children listening to this, I think, whether they're doing it on purpose or not. And so (laughs) I remember that moment very, very well. And then, of course, the Jets went inside the stadium and just destroyed the Green Bay Packers, whose quarterback at the time was Brett Favre, who years later, of course, would wind up on the Jets. So I remember that very well, and I know exactly what you're talking about. The crowd was so amped for that game, such a letdown that after four plays, all the excitement with Aaron Rodgers was over with. But now we head into a very important offseason for the Jets where they need to do a lot of different things to build around a returning Aaron Rodgers. And so I wanted to ask your thoughts On What the Jets should do in free agency. We'll get into the draft in a bit, but tell me what you think the Jets should try to do in free agency. Are there any players specifically that you like that you think they should pursue? What's the general direction you think they should go in?
0: So obviously wide receiver and offensive line are the two areas that I think everyone's really going to talk about. And there's different ways to, to kind of accomplish both goals. Uh, the, the wide receiver thing, there's a lot of really good free agents available this year, but you got to worry about which ones are going to get tagged. T Higgins would love him. He would be top of my list. I think he's going to get tagged. Mike Evans would love him. If you can get him, obviously a little bit of a connection for having him in for training camp with the joint practices this past year would be a nice little, uh, you know, acquisition. I think size wise, he's the profile that I would want six foot five, big bodied red zone target, uh, thousand yard season for 10 straight years. Would love to bring him in. Then you get to guys like Pittman and, and Calvin Ridley. I think those two guys might get franchised as well. So now you start getting down to like these other rungs of receivers and you start getting a little, little squirrely. Like, is it, are you going after Deandre Hopkins? Are you going to try and hope uh, Keenan Allen gets cut or maybe a, you know, a Darnell Mooney as like a wide receiver three. Like, where are you really going to go in that direction? And then on the offensive line side of things, there's really not a ton of talent, at least from the tackle perspective. Tackle wise, you're looking at like Tyron Smith. Is he going to leave Dallas? Trenton Brown and uh, the other tackles escaping me right now from New England. Those two guys are free agents. Are they going to wind up leaving because Bill's not going to be there? Maybe you have a shot to to get one of them. There's not a lot of good options in free agency for tackle. And I've been saying since last year, I have a hunch. And even though he doesn't like playing on MetLife's turf, I think Bakhtiari is going to get cut. And I think there's going to be a good shot. He winds up being our left tackle for next year better or worse and I know a lot of fans really don't want it because I think he's played like three games or four games over the last three years Uh, but if that knee's holding up he's a top five tackle in the league and if you can somehow tie his contract to some sort of financial incentive if he's starting and on the field that way you're protected I don't see why you wouldn't do that I don't think Mekhi Becton comes back I'd be a little surprised if I saw that but if the market is as thin as it is, maybe they decide, hey, we're going to bring Beckton back, make him right tackle. We're going to slide AVT over to to left tackle or something along those lines. That's what I see happening. I think AVT is definitely going to be a tackle. I just don't know which side of the line it's going to be yet. And I don't know if the Jets necessarily know that either. He's so versatile. You can kind of plug him in last based on where you couldn't fill in other guys. Um, Tomlinson, I think there's a good shot he ends up getting cut, whether it's during the beginning portion of free agency or in training camp after someone beats him out. There's no trigger on the timeline for when he's got to get paid. So I would hold on to him purely because he's been so healthy and let him go into training camp and allow either a rookie or maybe Runyon from uh Green Bay, who's gonna be a free agent. Maybe he can beat him out at left guard. <sighs> going to be, it's going to be interesting. Rogers is definitely going to have to put on his recruiting hat. And like, hopefully this time around, it's not like a Dalvin cook and a Billy Turner and a Randall Cobb that we're getting. And we're getting more of a uh, more impressive crop of uh, players coming in.
1: Yeah. I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers make a phone call to Mike Evans instead of David Bakhtiari, but that's just me. <laughs> I, com-
0: I completely agree.
1: <laughs> Let's talk draft now. Are there any players specifically that you like? The Jets have the 10th pick. They've got a third rounder. They've got two picks in the fourth. What do you think here? What should the strategy be? Anybody you'd be targeting?
0: Yeah, so I got a few guys that I really like. My the way my board breaks down right now and this is, you know, obviously before the senior bowl, before combine, before pro days, all that good stuff, but Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu, those are the two left tackles at the top of the draft that I'm really keeping an eye on. Those are if one of those two guys are there at 10, I think I'm running up to the podium. After that, the next three tackles are all right tackles, and they're they're kind of a flavor of the, the month, depending on which you know, route you kind of want to go. There's Fuaga from Oregon State, who is a right tackle. I think he's got like 1,800 snaps to his name. Definitely came on this year, but he had the 83rd strength of schedule. So his level of competition, a little bit in question, he's going to the Senior Bowl. Can he show out this year? I think when you look at, uh, JC Latham out of Alabama, you get people that are a little concerned with Alabama offensive linemen. Are they actually going to be as good as they are in the NFL? Then you have the the little side effect of Makai Becton failing and him being a massive guy, just like JC Latham. So people are kind of afraid of him from that perspective. He also has a ton of penalties, but he's had the hardest strength of schedule. He had the sixth hardest strength of schedule compared to all the other tackles. And then the other tackle that you can look at is Marius Mims, who has the least amount of snaps at uh, in college. He has 800, I believe but he has been explosive. Like he could be the best tackle in this draft. He's just so raw and so unknown that I don't think the Jets do that at number 10. So if you're not looking at those next three tackles and let's say Alt and Fashanu are gone, I'm looking at two guys, Rome Odunze and uh, Brock Bowers. Bowers is the one that really intrigues me the most because if you're asking me, hey, how do you solve weapon number two? How do you solve offensive line issues Well, you go out and you get the guy that can block like a swing tackle and catch passes like you know one of the best wide receivers in the game like this dude is an elite weapon I would love to bring in Brock Bowers and just have that sort of you know extra gear and extra weapon because you have Brees in the in the backfield you have Bowers and Conklin as as tight ends you got Garrett as your other as your other wide receiver I don't think you necessarily need a a crazy elite wide receiver number two, but could you imagine if somehow the Jets either get Devontae Adams or Mike Evans and then draft a Bowers in the in the first round of the draft? That's gonna be really, really hard to stop. I would spend every pick we have this year on the offensive side of the ball. In the middle rounds, I really like uh, Zeitler from Michigan. He broke his fibula and tibula, I believe, uh, back at the end of November or beginning of December so he's going to be ready for training camp, but I don't know if he's going to be able to participate in pro days. He was projected to be around a third round pick. So if you can sneak by into the fourth round, snag him there, he's the he's a real good guard that I would like to, even if he had to sit a little bit, um, would love to bring him in. And then at some point in the draft, I don't know who I would go for, but I would love to bring in some type of quarterback to be quarterback three. And it's just some somewhere along the lines of like, a high upside guy that either maybe had a little bit of injury history or maybe some kind of baggage that we think might be able to, to be overcome with a good locker room. A lot of people kind of point out the FSU quarterback, uh, Jordan Travis as, as someone that, that you could go after I'm open. I just don't want to spend a high pick on a quarterback. And I don't think the jets will spend a high pick on a quarterback. I'd be very surprised if they went that route.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're going to do it. I love Brock Bowers too. And I've talked about this a couple times. The two things that Aaron Rodgers loves is throwing passes at or around the line of scrimmage and throwing 50-50 balls downfield. Bowers is a beast in both those areas. Matchup nightmare, too. The only slight negative with him is his size. He's a little on the small side for a tight end, 6'4", 240, but that's okay. He does everything at a plus level. He's even a plus blocker at that size, so I would love to see him in a Jets uniform, but If the Jets do that, they've got to find a way to put together a plan to fix the O-line in spite of not using it in the first round. I've talked about the possibility of using that third-round pick, putting it together with a fourth-rounder, moving into the second-rounder, and getting an o lineman there. We'll see what they do in free agency in the draft, but Ryan, now that we've talked about the year that just happened, where you're at with ownership, the general manager where you're at with the coaching staff, the draft free agency, I got to ask you the most important question. You're a golf guy. If you had a foursome, who are the three guys that you're taking with you that at some point were a member of the Jets organization? So that could be Woody Johnson, if you want. That could be someone that was in the front office. That could be one of the players, one of the coaches. And it doesn't have to be somebody who's currently on the team. It could be anybody that's ever been affiliated with the Jets, Three people to fill out your foursome. Who do you got?
0: Ooh, okay. So definitely Wayne Krabat. Krabat's got to be in my foursome. I'd be so pumped to have him. He was my childhood idol growing up. I just, I absolutely love Wayne Krebet. Uh, Outside of that, interesting. I kind of like, I don't know how good of a golfer he would be or how it would mix with everyone, but Rex Ryan would be a lot of fun to, to probably sit in a foursome with. I don't know if Curtis would golf. Curtis was very <laughs> stoic, but I kind of want to like, li- actually, no, you know what? Scratch Curtis. Nick Mangold. Mm. I love Nick Mangold. <laughs> Nick Mangold, Krabet, and give me Rex Ryan. That would be a fun foursome.
1: That would definitely be a fun foursome. And I think that in addition to having a good golf game, you would get some phenomenal stories because Mangold's a talker, Rex is certainly a talker, and I don't know if Wayne Kribet is on their level as a talker, but he's certainly got plenty of stories from his days with the Jets. He's a guy that played for both Bill Parcells and rich kotite in addition of course to playing for herman edwards and playing for al grow he played for a lot of different coaches played with a lot of players i'm sure he's got stories about Keyshawn johnson that he won't tell in public that he would be able to share on the golf course so that would be a lot of fun i would definitely love to golf with those guys and i'm not even a golfer so go figure ryan delaney jets talk 24 7 thank you so much for coming on and participating in the 2024 Jets offseason roundtable with me, really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to check out your stream that hasn't already been doing it, tell them where they can find it. And also for those that do know you and are fans of your stream, what do you got coming up in the next couple of weeks and months? Yeah,
0: thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I do all my stuff over on YouTube. Uh, I do simulcast it over to Facebook as well. So if you search Jets Talk 24/7, you'll, you'll find me. I do a lot of breakdowns of free agents and and the combine and draft prospects, everything like that. So we do our, you know, three day live draft party on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. You get everyone involved. We bring in a bunch of content creators. You hopped in with us last mm-hmm. year. So I'm definitely looking forward to having you back again. Uh, but yeah, you know, just a lot of jet off season stuff. Generally, this is the busy time for jet content creators because we haven't had a whole lot of success in season to speak of. <laughs> so hopefully this is the last time I get to say that.
1: Very true, man. Although I will say it is weird this offseason because as I was telling you before we started recording, this is the first offseason in a while where there isn't some sort of crazy off the field drama going on in terms of what the Jets are going to do leading into free agency in the draft. There's no Aaron Rodgers chase. They're not looking for a new head coach. They're not hiring a general manager. They're not hiring an offensive coordinator. Everything is basically going to be status quo heading into free agency. So we'll see what ends up happening. But this is uncharted territory for the last couple of years, at least, with the Jets, a somewhat normal off season or at least as normal as it gets with the Jets make sure you check out everything that Ryan is doing at Jets 24-7 check out everything we've got going on at playlikeajet.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing it doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and playlikeajet.com